That sound you hear, Spags, that's Splash Play in the morning. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I'm drinking water here. We are actually getting into queue for a best ball draft. The 2022 big board over on Underdog. And maybe some reason to be concerned about Cooper Cup this weekend. We'll find out right after this intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spags, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet. And Pete, you are on a hard deadline today because you got to go be a big L.A. boy. So how are, how are you feeling? That's right. Um, you know, my wife packed my uh, lunchbox and we got my backpack and she said, today's your day to be a big L.A. boy. And uh, I do have to be home by 4 p.m. I can't go hang out with my friends after school. So it's a big day for me, though. It is a big day for Pete. Pete will be over in L.A. Uh, tracking the Super Bowl on behalf of Splash Plays. We're going to say your your wall-to-wall coverage of the Super Bowl from Los Angeles. That's right. Yeah, I am uh, going to be doing Splash Play exclusive coverage uh, nonstop. No, but we are going to be doing our show, our regular show tomorrow, 2.30 Eastern. I will be uh, a Pacific Standard Time boy uh, tomorrow. Uh, I don't know what my setup will be, but there will be a show. And uh, I already got the event up. So, you know, you can bookmark it, turn on that notification, and uh, we'll, we'll see what uh, where I'm broadcasting from tomorrow afternoon. What a pro. He's going to figure it out on the fly because that's what Pete does to bring it all to you guys. So make sure you hit that like button, whether you're watching on the Pete's channel or the, the, the Pete's channel or the Splash Play channel. And make sure you also are subscribed to both because we're going to have content coming out on both prongs all throughout the summer or something like that. So go make sure you subscribe to both the Splash Play channel and Pete's channel. And also uh, go get in this underdog draft using the promo code SPLASH up to a $100 deposit match over at underdog if you use that promo code SPLASH ASAP. So go get in there. Fun contest for the Super Bowl, as well as this one that we're going to be entering the 2022 big board. We're drafting rookies as well as players for the 2022 NFL season. So go get in at over an underdog. We use that promo code SPLASH right now. And also make sure you go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. While this draft fills, only $1, the $1 week deal only going up for a few more days. It ends on the 13th. So there'll be no romantic gifts of Football Outsiders for Valentine's Day <laughs> unless you do it in advance. So go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. 99 cents a week for all the data and premium analysis and a lot more to come throughout the year let's go footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe there we go pete i jammed that enough plugs to get us to the draft hopefully starting and and i guess maybe it was too efficient some could say uh yeah no i mean you are you're king of the plugs you got it down we need uh two more people for this draft and we'll get underway here uh i do think we can hit on uh some of the new stuff that's been uh going on here uh i know you had some notes there are some kind of interesting wrinkles i think going on with the the rams backfield yesterday there were some quotes from mcveigh um so yeah there's there's some stuff i'm monitoring that i think will be particularly interesting for showdown contests come sunday yeah, so the one thing that I saw this week, and I'll give this one the credit to Touchdown Wire over at USA Today, though I did see a few Twitter threads about it earlier in the week. Um, the Bengals apparently have been pretty good against number one receivers, and this is what I hinted at in the intro here, so we're not just doing clickbait teases up top. But Cooper Cup uh, had a tough day in 2019 against Mike Hilton when he was playing on the Steelers. Mike Hilton has been a guy who shut down Justin Jefferson this year, five catches for 71 yards. Keenan Allen, five catches for 34 yards. Uh, their one game against the Chiefs, the Bengals, uh, only had Tyreek Hill getting 78 
total yards and 40 yards in week 17, which granted, you know, motivation questionable there. But Pete, these kind of things are what happen when people have a lot of free time on their hands to dig into game tape, to dig into the DVP stats that sometimes aren't the most valuable. So you hear this kind of thing about the historical efforts of Mike Hilton against Cooper Cup and other, you know, high-level receivers who can get open against anybody. Does it give you any reason to have cause for concern? No, it it really doesn't. Um, you know, it's like one of those things too. I remember someone uh we were heading into the uh conference championship game or maybe divisional, and they're like, Aren't you worried that the Niners double team Devontae Adams? And it's like it, every team knows that these wide receivers like Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup are incredible wide receivers. They're the engine for their offense, and they try everything they can to stop them, and they still can't stop them. And the way that the Rams use Cooper Cup, moving him around the formation in all kinds of different ways, like they are going to get him the ball. I do think you can question like, hey, our team's going to let him, you know, leak into the secondary and get loose for these super deep touchdowns like he has a few times these playoffs. Like, yeah, maybe they clamp down on that and keep everything underneath, but it's just so hard to envision Cooper cup getting shut down in, in any way. Yeah. I think that's where I am with it too. And I, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago where Jalen Ramsey um, was going pretty hard at Mike Evans and certainly limited his effectiveness where I think he had a 50% catch rate that day. You still saw Evans get deep down the field, still saw him make some big plays. And, and that's Mike Evans who quite frankly is not Cooper cup with how this year has gone. So I think if you want to use it as a logic point to maybe cap Cooper Cup and keep him in line, his ownership in line with the field, I think that's fine. The field will be very enthusiastic to own him, but definitely not a reason to scurry away like some people may be worrying about on Twitter. And we are up for our pick, Pete. So where are you thinking we should go? Um, I was hoping Justin Jefferson was going to fall. I still think I'm probably a Tyreek Hill boy here. Um, I think we did Dalvin Cook last time, right? Yeah, we did. I think Tyreek uh, maybe... Willis is already gone, so now his his very clean chief stack is unavailable, and I think we can maybe try to take it for ourselves. All right, yeah, let's grab uh let's grab Tyreek here. I like that. Um, yeah the yeah the the chief stacks are interesting in this. It you know I think I'm kind of curious why Travis Kelsey is you know, not kind of holding strong where he was going last year in drafts. Obviously he's another year older, but I don't know if, if that much has changed uh, for him or the chiefs. I didn't necessarily think he, he lost a step this year. And I mean, these elite tight ends are still, I think really uh, strong structural uh, like drafting, uh, you know, pulls for your team. I think they just allow you so much flexibility later on in a draft. So I think just collectively the field is probably feeling burned by tight ends last year. Um, but I I'm still, I'm still in on the elite tight ends in these, in these drafts. I, I agree. I think George Kittle at this point gains in a little more appeal to me where we've seen him going at a lower ADP and he's fallen to some spots that we didn't necessarily think, oh, there goes Travis Kelsey. I think people just might be remembering some of the game to game this year where Kelsey really didn't have that explosive game other than uh, I think uh, down the stretch, there was like a week 15, I feel like game that I'm it now all blurs together. But I feel like that's sort of the thing where the small sample size bias in one season maybe gets people off of, you know, an offense that's constructed pretty well. Um, and now our stack is blown up. So I guess where, where should we go? Uh, yeah, I think I would, you know, if we go wide receiver, love AJ Brown here, if we wanted to entertain uh, a running back, I think Deandre Swift is like the one guy I feel like could be a top five running back this year. That's here. Um, what do you think? 
I, I would go, yeah. I mean, A.J. Brown seems good to me. I would have gone Mark Andrews. I know you think he's a little overdrafted. I think he showed some flashes to me that uh, make him look like the wide receiver one maybe going into next year. Uh, though Bateman getting better, Brown being a little bit more reliable certainly could be there. But um, I think that's the one thing I would have maybe done differently. But A.J. Brown, I think you're buying the dip here. And uh, certainly some ways uh, Tennessee can get better in the offseason too, maybe learn just to feed him the ball more. Yeah, I um I have no problem you know, with Mark Andrews, I think in general, you know, he's been going later second round. So you are kind of reaching for him a bit. Whereas if you stay a little patient and you're doing a bunch of these, um, you can get him at the back half of the second. I also, it's hard for me to pull the trigger on Mark Andrews because I don't think he's in a different tier than, you know, George Kittle and Kyle Pitts and, and maybe even Darren Waller. So it's just, I'd rather take the cheapest of those guys right now. Um, and I do think there's a lot of, um, kind of recency bias baked into Mark Andrews here and that it could be a bit of a Fugazi as far as so much of his production was with those backup quarterbacks when they weren't pushing the ball down the field as much. Um, he didn't really have that elite production with Lamar Jackson throughout the year. So I'm, I'm a little bit worried that there's some smoke and mirrors there with Mark Andrews. And I think I'd rather wait for an ADP correction or just to get him at ADP and, and not reach in those spots. I get it. And I know you mentioned this on our previous draft that we did, uh, you know, a lot of his production did come with the backup QBs being in instead of Lamar who was hurt uh, for a large portion down the stretch. But I, I, my hope would just be that they realize what, you know, sometimes what you got to let, let it go, then learn what you have. And then you can fall in love like Lamar. I completely botched that, that famous expression there, but basically that's sort of how I feel about what Lamar was going through, where if he saw, he got some lustful eyes for Mark Andrews, seeing how much better he was fed by Huntley and even Josh Johnson, that one game. So that would be my one, pushback point but i get he's being valued like as a wide receiver two in a clear way where he's probably closer to you know wide receiver 3a 3b why did it feel so comfortable for you to say the phrase lustful eyes <laughs> i don't like it's 9 30 in the morning here on the east coast and i will say for some reason that's the one phraseology that's come out very smoothly for me this morning you just said it with the confidence as if you say that phrase every single day. Good morning, honey. You got those lustful eyes going this morning. <laughs> she does. The issue for me is I'm just not putting out enough, I think, for the pregnant texture. <laughs> Which, you know, it's, I, look, I don't think I'm in the wrong here. Fellow dads, let me know how you feel in the chat because I, like, you know, it's she's basically uh, like a baby receptacle. You don't, who wants that, Pete? Um, we got GMs in the chat. I am just going to, uh, I, I set spags up to go down a bad tangent and then I just pulled a ripcord on it. Uh, let's see here. Josh asking, why do you think Hawkinson is going so late? I mean, I think because he burned a ton of people last year, Jared Goff was underwhelming on underdog with the half point PPR. The touchdowns are much more important. And, you know, these guys that have more higher touchdown expectation are going to be more attractive plays. You know, the, the lions and Hawkinson didn't find their way into the end zone much last year. So I've been, um, I've been buying uh, the dip on Hawkinson. I I'm still kind of like anchored to, you know, talking about Mark Andrews and Hawkinson is interesting. Uh, let's actually do our pick here. Uh, first. I mean, we can uh, get the home stack now, which wouldn't be the worst. We could do that. Yeah. I also don't think, um, who took Kelsey? Where's the Kelsey owner? Yeah, I'm kind of willing to, I'd rather grab Waller, the last of this elite tight end tier, and then see if the Kelsey owner passes on Mahomes and lets okay. him come back to us. Because otherwise, no one's going to take Mahomes. 
Yeah, I, I, he's not going to pass twice on Mahomes when he's got Kelsey, I don't think, because he could get Pringle, like you can get some other guys to stack him up with. Yeah, I just like, I still think it's too rich for for Mahomes there. Um, I don't know. I just have a hard time like reaching uh, for stacks and I'd rather make someone else reach. And then if they give it to you on the cheap, then I'm, I'm more okay with it. I don't know. I mean, look, Maybe. Waller, I think one of those guys who with this McDaniels offense could rise up a little bit. We saw this year, certainly John Smith, not a factor, but Hunter Henry was pretty well targeted, certainly got the red zone looks. And if you keep some of the same philosophies for McDaniels moving it over uh, to Vegas, I think that Waller can be one of those guys that kind of underperformed last year, mostly due to injury and mostly because of that team. There you go. I'm sorry. Oh, there you go. See, knew it. I knew it had to happen. Yeah, I don't know. I just... I don't like taking those early QBs unless I'm getting a discount on it. Okay. And I know you're less at this point and Pete's talked about his philosophy a little bit. Maybe if you want to you know, sort of restate it for people who missed our first few drafts, like you're not as big on forcing the stacks and, and, you know, you're not going to certainly reach for them, but overall, like you're not, you know, you're not dying to get these high price stacks just because the ADPs for them tend to be a little bit higher than they probably should be. Yeah. And I guess the, the wrinkle would be just quarterbacks are going so much earlier in these drafts and you're kind of forced to, you know, quote unquote, reach at some points that maybe you do just grab it there knowing it gives you flexibility, but just in general, you're going to have so many points in drafts um, where you're going to be able to get those stacks at better cost. And there's going to be spots where there's not a Kelsey owner behind you. And then you have more of a chance for that guy to fall. And so I don't know, I'd rather just be patient with that. Um, what are you seeing here? Um, you got the veteran wide receivers. I mean, Evan, Evans or Dobbins are kind of who's interesting to me here. What do you think? I was kind of intrigued by Hopkins, just buying the dip a little. I'm fine with that. Because um, then we could still get a Cardinal stack later on. And Kyler, I think the uncertainty now, him taking the Cardinals off of social media, one of the news items of the week. Uh, maybe people don't want to take him as high just because they don't know where he's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm Hopkins is not a guy I'm, you know, excited to draft, but neither is the field, which is why he just went 11 picks after ADP. So um, if I'm going to preach, you know, being patient and buying the dip, uh, I have to plug my nose and do it with, you know, aging wide receivers like DeAndre Hopkins. How old is DeAndre Hopkins now? He is 29. He t he does turn 30 before next year. So that's, I feel like, one of those things that uh, the, the young eye, the lustful eyes you have for young receivers, uh, he does no longer fit that criteria. Yeah, and you're almost yeah, you're almost betting on I, I guess I, I I'm not the more I think about it and talk it out, I'm I'm less concerned about DeAndre Hopkins himself. Like I do think, you know, the way he plays, like he has the kind of wide receiver game, and I think I I don't know if I said this about Amari a few weeks ago, but like his game will age gracefully. You know, he doesn't have to be getting, you know, a ton of separation to beat guys. He can do it with his contested catches, with his route running and stuff. So to me, you're kind of just making a bet on like, can the Cardinals offense return to form, you know, and get back to, to where they were at because they were such a disappointment on the back half of the season. Um, who knows? I mean, did, did we, have we done a show since the, the Kyler Murray scrubbing his Instagram rumors? No, no. So that came out, I think, Tuesday. Uh, but yeah, the as I mentioned uh, there, and then Pete just talked about again, Kyler Murray uh, did take the Cardinals off of his Instagram page. Uh, all mentions of him as a Cardinals QB also unfollowed the team. Uh, I don't know about like, sometimes it feels like players just do this for uh, not the media buzz, but some other things that we don't even know about. And it's happened in the NBA a lot, guys doing that and they don't actually go anywhere. 
I don't know, Pete. I feel like maybe there's something to it. It does seem odd to do. But it's also like maybe he's just mad at the fan base because they probably left a lot of that the blame for what happened this season at his foot. Yeah, um, I I didn't read into it uh, too much. I, I mean, he deleted like all of his photos. It, it to me, it seemed more like, hey, I'm just gonna go with a. I, I wrote this in the newsletter, like a, a Marie Kondo minimalistic uh, social media presence. So, uh, yeah, I I don't know. And also, these guys like they're divas, right? Like they do little things to want attention. They want to be wanted. They want to be the spotlight, little petty things like this. It doesn't necessarily mean they're ready to do some, you know, overreaction, uh, and change careers. It could just be, they want a little attention that day. (laughs) Or it could just be that he doesn't want to get the blame for it and wants to show like, I'm mad at the Cardinals too. And like, I'm mad at Cliff Kingsbury. And I, I think there's, there's some political stuff to that as well. I agree. Like, the idea of him leaving the NFL to play baseball at this point, I think, would be during a lockout period as well. Like, I don't know how that would even come to fruition in any meaningful way. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Um, I'm really hoping a guy is here for us after uh, Tanner picks in a second. I have a guy I really want. And for this Kyler, build. I presume. No, I do want Kyler. If I, I so Eagles took Allen, uh, burn zone. I don't think is going to take. Uh, Kyler, I could be wrong. Uh, if Phil would do that unstacked, um, I really wanted ETN for this build, um, to get our first running back. I think at five, seven, I mean, we're getting, um, even a little bit of a discount or relative to where he was going last year. Um, I just think he gives us kind of the upside of a anchor running back in this kind of, uh, zero RB build you down with that. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And ATN, one of those guys who we talked about when he's going a little bit too high, probably not the most appealing, but in this offense, new coach, a uh, new philosophy probably as well. Uh, coaches would use you know, pass catching running backs exceedingly well in his previous stops. I think bodes well. And I do, Pete, we also got our first draft of the FO Fantasy 40 from our guy Mike Tanier over at Football Outsiders. And an interesting running back is his top pick overall. This has not gone out publicly yet because we have to write up all the stuff and have our product team design it out. Um, but I think we have a rookie running back we can get to. So we could do an all young running back philosophy today. Yeah. So is it, I mean, the two guys that I've been seeing go early in these drafts have been, you know, Brees Hall seems kind of like the cream of the crop. And then I know Isaiah Spiller seems to be kind of the second running back people seem to like. Is is it one of those two? It is not, in fact. We have Brees Whoa. Hall uh, in this tentative list, which could move around a little bit before it's published at the end of the month. Uh, we have Brees Hall at number three, Isaiah Spiller at number two, and then this running back at number one. And I know he had a decent ADP, but I don't think he got drafted the last time that we did a draft on a show. All right. Well, keep it in your back pocket then mm-hmm. because uh sounds like we might be able to wait a little bit more. Yeah, so I'm, I will reveal that one here. And again, this is part of our the research that our team over at Football Outsiders is doing. So make sure you get in the mix, footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Uh, this, a lot of this Eagles. Is free. Eagles, oh, what is the grinder doing? Eagles, you're <laughs> auto-drafting? Eagles is an underdog legend, high-volume drafter, but he's clearly, uh, I don't know, helping his kids eat breakfast right now. What are you doing, Eagles? Eagles is one of those guys too who follows me on Twitter. And because of that, this is one of my my special skill sets, Pete, that we don't talk about often. For some reason, I know his real name is James Briticombe just because of yeah. seeing his name on Twitter. And that's yeah. Yeah. James. So James. James. That's James. a no-no, buddy. James. Three, three quarterbacks through six. Um, so uh we're not gonna go the quarterback route. Um nope. uh I'm I'm interested. I don't mind taking Brees Hall, but it sounds like you guys are a little lower on him. Marquise Brown, 
Uh, I would go Gabe Davis. I'm intrigued by the Gabe Davis leap. All right, I'll give you. I'll give you Gabe Davis here. I can't uh, quibble with that. Yeah, I just you know the idea of Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders clearing out, him showing what we saw down the stretch. I think um, to me, obviously, sixth round still maybe not the most comfortable for Gabe Davis, but I think I like taking those guys who did show that they have really you know monster ceiling. And if like let's say Diggs got hurt and Davis somehow ended up the number one, like he could drastically beat that ADP. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a it's an interesting psychological experiment where um, we talk a lot throughout the offseason how people get anchored to ADP. And you could argue that right now the ADP is as, uh, you know, worthless or, you know, uninformative as it'll be all year because it'll just get more and more efficient as more people draft. We get more data. We get more information. Uh, and I still find myself getting a little anchored to the ADP where you're like, Gabe Davis. I'm like, but there's six other running backs ahead of or wide receivers ahead of him in the queue. But at, at this stage, uh, it really doesn't matter. And uh, I do think Gabe Davis is deserving of a, a six round pick and underdog. Also, I know the last time we did a draft, and I'm bringing it up because he just went again, it looks like, uh, to hot Sizos, but uh, we had Traylon Burks in this first iteration of the draft pretty low relative to the other wide receivers, actually the third wide receiver on the board for Football Outsiders, so um, behind guys like Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, uh, so maybe a little bit of reason to not go ride with the the ADP tied that Traylon Burks, and I know, Pete, you mentioned some draft people out there have also referenced some of the comps with him. I think A.J. Brown is one you had mentioned, or D.K. Metcalf. Uh, but yeah, we're apparently more down on him. So if if you want to trust, I think it's important just to have something you trust and kind of ride with it if you can. And for me, I think that's going to be the football outsiders 40 and what we're doing with that. And um, if they're saying Burks is number three, I might be more inclined to, to let him ride. Yeah, I I mean, I, I do think you should be. Uh, I do think doing these drafts in general, loading up, um, not necessarily loading up, but taking shots on these rookies makes a ton of sense, but we do have to be very cost conscious because you're starting to get in the territory. You know, if you're, if you're taking, you know, Traylon Burks, like where, you know, CD or uh, where Jamar chase was going at points in last year's underdog drafts. I mean, Jamar chase was a much better prospect than Traylon Burks. And we knew kind of his situation there on the Bengals with a pass heavy uh, offense and a good QB. So uh, it you're you're starting to really have to thread the needle on having Traylon Burks, you know, pay off at that cost in there. So yeah, I I guess my my thing is I want to be in on these rookies, but in a very cost conscious way. Interesting thesis by Chris G in the chat saying that Eagles is taking care of his kids 100%. My daughter likes picking purple as well. So that, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just a, a family draft, Pete, which you know we have, we have to do as well because I'm going to be bringing Luke on the show every week for his own segment like Bill Simmons does with his kids. <laughs> that's right. Um, so we will have to think through our quarterback strategy a bit just because we missed out on the elite tier. You know, we do have some potential, you know, stacks late. Like we could do Lawrence with ETN. We could do uh, Derek Carr with Waller. But just knowing how much these guys go off the shelves, we should just uh, keep it back in mind. Like I wouldn't mind getting like a Jalen Hurts um, coming back around in the in the eighth potentially. Yeah, I think there's some logic there. I also, if Kadarius Tony hadn't just gone, I might have advocated for the backdoor giant stack um, that has apparently been going up in ADP I was seeing on Twitter, but still not high enough to actually uh, resonate with where we've seen the draft go so far. Um, I mean, look, if we want to take the guy that I just talked about, who is our top graded wide receiver football outsiders, you do have Garrett Wilson there, though obviously we don't know where that's going to stack up. Yeah, uh, I have I have no problem with it. Um, sure. It, yeah, because I mean, 
we you basically you want him to be like this is what the range that like waddle was going last year mm-hmm. in drafts um it does feel uh slightly rich but i don't mind grabbing uh a wilson share here have you have you watched any Garrett Wilson tape as part of your other uh, shows that you do, or you have uh, fallen in love with these Sky Moors of the world? No, I haven't. I do know I, I do have Rotoviz's uh, early draft guide pulled up. They have him as their third overall prospect after Burks and Brees Hall. So it does seem like there's a nice consensus on him uh, being a, a good prospect. And I think we, we're going to have to take the other rookie coming up here because he is on the board. And um, in fact, we did have a guest in the chat. Uh, with uh, who was it? I guess that right. Justin did guess correctly. The rookie running back, who's number one according to Football Outsiders Fantasy Forty, coming out in a few weeks. Uh, Kenneth Walker is the number one running back. What are you thinking here now for quarterback? Of course, uh, the guy I was eyeing, Jalen Hurts, uh, goes. We also could uh, probably use another running back. I have uh, zero interest in Fournette. AJ Dillon is kind of interesting to me here uh otherwise we're probably waiting even more at running back but then we also kind of have the quarterback situation but i think we could go running back and then really maybe grab two quarterbacks on the next turn potentially look i would support taking kenneth wilson and fitting the theme here of doing this rookie you know these rookie draft of guys who are a little bit undervalued according to the market right now compared to what we're doing at football outsiders so i think wait who uh kenneth walker oh walker just went so there oh, we go. walker went i was gonna say where did he go yeah. um then you know what i think i think let's go dylan is there anything else jumping out to you i mean i mean we could pivot off uh zeke and go tony pollard i think would be one way to leverage against a higher adp yeah i do kind of think at this point dylan is kind of a better just pick version of a pick than than Pollard um just because I feel a little bit more confident about his kind of you know 1b role whereas Pollard's is seems far more contingent at least that's how it's been for what feels like ages um but yeah nice to get uh get two backs here now as far as quarterbacks um you know I do think we should take a crack at I mean the two guys that kind of look interesting to me would be Russ and Fields as far as just getting a quarterback with some upside. And then we could come back around in another and either get like backdoor more of a Lawrence stack with ETN hook up Waller with Carr, you know, something like that. Um, are you interested in any of these three quarterbacks here at the top? I, I do worry about getting squeezed out if we let it go uh, back around again. I'm I'm up for the Trevor Lawrence idea. We did take Carr last time out. I feel like if we did Lawrence and Tannehill, Sauce King, by the way, embracing the meme of of the good shit Spags replies on Twitter as well. So appreciate Sauce King and everybody else who does give that. Again, most positive memeing you could do. Um, But I feel like, yeah, for me, Trevor Lawrence, I like the idea of taking him. We can get one of the pass catchers late. Like, uh, you know, we know ATN's also going to be heavily involved in the pass game. So it probably is more positive correlation than most uh, QB running back duos. So I would go that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was saying like, I do think we should, what, 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 what's your thought though on grabbing like one of fields or Wilson and then coming back and trying to get Lawrence or or Carr? I mean, Wilson's fine. I think, you know, we don't know where he's going to be stacked. Theoretically he could get stacked with some of the guys we have. So I'm, I'm okay taking the flyer. Wilson like naked is not going to be an issue for me. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Wilson is, is not as fun, uh, when he's stacked, Fields, 
uh, I think is interesting too. We were talking about Allen Robinson last night on ship chasing. Gretch has started doing some of his kind of initial deep dive into targets per route run. And he was kind of uh, intrigued by Allen Robinson with, um, so that, that, that could be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't love that they didn't bring in an offensive coach for fields. Like I do think that would have been something that made me feel good about it, but maybe that's what you do is you buy into more of the concept of having, um, you know, another year under his belt and that's enough to get him there rather than, you know, getting coached up meaningfully. And he showed flashes. I just, I, man, Fields just left me with a bad taste in my mouth last year. I really thought he's going to be one of those rookies who comes in and is immediately lighting it up, at least fantasy-wise. Yeah, and I mean, Allen Robinson is a unrestricted free agent, so it's not like you're you know going out of your way to line up uh, that stack. But you kind of get you get double outs, right? Because you either could get you know the stack um, potentially, or you you get him at an undervalued price. Shit, Justin Fields goes. <laughs> Willis really dug to this in the chat too, saying, Wilson isn't making it back to you, period. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do think we we should grab Lawrence here. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Uh, so I just, wanted anyway, Willis, to take that Willis again, trying to blow up our draft. And here we are, just fighting back against the tyrant Willis. I just don't know. I mean, what, what happened to these draft rooms? I mean, everyone is just absolutely obsessed with quarterbacks. I just I, guys, why can't we all just agree to wait on quarterbacks? That's what we generally do. And we all it, build better teams for it. It it is more of a gentlemanly thing to do. And I feel like Ramondre, didn't we, we I feel like we drafted Ramondre a lot higher last time. Am I misremembering that? I've been drafting a lot of Ramondre. We drafted him last night on ship chasing to an F an FFPC draft. Um, I, I like him in, in this range a lot. And I I don't mind continuing to to load up. I, look, I think the rookie backs, I'm, I'm more open to taking them now that there's getting to be more research out there, more stuff that sort of backs them out. I saw some people poking holes in Isaiah Spillers, uh, I guess, second round. Actually, it might have been a Knicks channel, uh, Nick Ercolano's BDGE channel. They were talking about uh, Spiller not breaking a lot of 20-yard-plus runs and, and why that's a reason to be down on him. But I think overall, like if you're getting Ramondre behind Spiller, behind Brees Hall, behind Kenneth Walker, I'd rather have Ramondre, I think. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, and fair point to the chat. Uh, we are blaming this specific draft room all on Eagles for uh, sucking out all of the uh, quarterback liquidity there. So thank you, Eagles, for that. Um, the question here, I, I kind of do like this wide receiver range. Um, I don't even mind rolling with kind of a an unstacked, you know, Cardinals concentration, either with Kirk or Moore. I also think Sutton is kind of a nice value here. I mean... If they do get Rodgers or, or something like that, I mean, Sutton Sutton was like a 5-6 turn pick uh, for most of last summer, so I, I kind of like him. I, yeah, I could talk myself either Sutton or Kirk, I think. Yeah, let's... Uh, I, I, this feels nice. I mean, Sutton's ADP is 95, and we're here at pick 113. Let's go Sutton. Yeah, look, I again, a guy that if you t think about the coach pedigree, what happened with that with the Broncos team, like they brought in Hackett, who's coming from the Packers. We know no issue feeding the wide receiver one in that offense. And even if it does spread the ball around more with Judy and Patrick in tow, like I think Sutton's in line to get a jump upwards. And like you mentioned, Aaron Rodgers being there, like they're going to upgrade that QB position somehow, whether it be just getting Bridgewater back or, you know, getting somebody who's actually good. So I think Sutton's a, it is a shockingly low ADP for Sutton. Yeah. Sean in the chat says, isn't a major part of the thesis of late round QB that others are passing on other players that add more win equity than the QB just let them get obsessed. Um, yes, but to an extent, right? There's only so many 
quarterbacks that can actually, you know, contribute to their roster. So if, if you, you know, push that to that logical extreme, you're not going to have a starting quarterback. So like at some point you have to play the room. And if the room is all collectively agreed for whatever reason, say Eagles hogging them all that we're, we're going for QBs, like you just have to join in in that game. Um, otherwise you'll have a dead roster. Like we, we can't wait and just have, you know, a Taysom Hill, you know, uh, uh, you know, who, who else would be a, a super late dart throw, uh, Davis Mills quarterback room. Like that's, that's probably going to put us way far behind the eight, eight ball. Hey, Davis Mills, I, you know, now that you said his name out loud, I think if you're going to get a QB late, like if you take one QB, you believe in and take a Davis Mills Texan stack down the backstretch, like. They're probably not going to get rid of the guys they have. Like you would think Cooks, Mills would still be guys there. Cooks went a little bit higher than he probably should, I guess. But like you could still get a Texan stack, and I think they're going to be playing for competency with Lovey Smith as coach. Yeah. And I do think, you know, the the counter argument would be there are serviceable quarterbacks, and it just pushes you into a three QB build. Um, you know, I think I think we're on the fringe here. Um, I would like to be able to grab Derek Carr at this at this next pick because then I think it gives us a slight window if we don't want to go three QBs um, where we could ride with just these two. Um, what do you think about Derek Carr here? I mean, we took him before, but we do have Waller, so I'm not going to push back on it. I think that does make sense to get whatever mini correlation we can get. Yeah, it's just like the room is, you know, hoovering up quarterbacks he's the top quarterback available he completes our stack it gives us a little bit more flexibility going forward so i i feel good about locking that up and our account willis again uh the, the draft runner in the room did take melvin gordon here and said spags this pick is for you melvin gordon going in the 11th pete and i think melvin gordon one of those running backs who could have upside whether he ends up in denver whether he ends up somewhere else maybe because of a release uh, lots of ways for melvin gordon to pay off that 11th round adp well, it is true. Like we think of uh, now I'm going to blank on some of the examples, but you know, Melvin Gordon was good last year and there is constantly openings for teams where they're signing a guy off the free agent scrap heap to be their, their running back. And Melvin Gordon, uh, if he does land somewhere else, like he could seize that kind of opportunity far better than we've seen. I, I guess like teams I'm thinking of are like the Falcons or, you know, the Texans who have been kind of just trying to find a running back. So yeah, I think there's a little meat on the bone there with Melvin Gordon. Although isn't that even more expensive than where he was going last year? I, I think, you know, it's about right where he was, if I'm remembering correctly, as somebody who did take a good amount of Melvin Gordon. But I also like you saying that he's going to go to the Falcons like he would be the Mike Davis <laughs> version. He would be he would be a better version of Mike Davis. Like, he that's the be. point of it. Like, Mike Davis was complete dust, whereas Melvin Gordon actually played well. Tanner in the chat, dudes of Melvin Gordon advocacy. He had the exact same number of carries as Javante and had more yards. Um, I don't have those stats in front of me, but I, I look, I do think overall it was a 50, 50 split and people were, were overrating Javante because of that. Um, let me know when you're interested in pulling out your, your running back rookie card here. Oh, Kyron Williams would be one I would take. Actually, he is currently, uh, the number six overall player on the fantasy 40 for football outsiders. And he is the one that is not seemingly getting drafted quite as highly. Yeah. I think this is, I think this is the range. Um, in general, where the running backs have traditionally been the the best picks, and you know rookies often uh, are a part of that cohort. So I think 
this feels like a sweet spot if uh, if the people like Kyron Williams. Yeah, we got priced out of Walker, Spiller, Hall. Those guys seem to be the big three, and it it's interesting to see like that really developing as its own tier of rookie running back. Uh, but I like I like taking these guys. I think you're right here. Like, just take whoever is going to have a decent enough ADP um, who's coming up around this version or this time in the draft because those guys are probably like we don't know enough to say Spiller is a materially better player or Walker really is a materially better player than Kyron Williams because it's all going to depend on the situation and where they get into. Yeah, I also like that Gus Edwards pick. Um, right after there. I think he is a nice value. I don't know. Just again, just shooting from the hip. He feels like he should be more of like a ninth, 10th round pick, like around the Ramondre range. Um, so he, he's not, did we take Gus in our last draft? We did. We did. We took okay. the Gus. Bus. Yeah. Uh, um, yes. Don't tempt me devil. I think, look, I might have to advocate for taking LaVisca and I know. to hedge against my, he might get released or traded take. Cause now it makes sense to take him with Trevor Lawrence. It does, yeah, because DJ Chark went in the tenth. Um, so we, we don't didn't... want to do Marvin Jones again. <laughs> God, no, you're right. Oh, all right, yeah, we are going to be forced into tra- taking Visca until someone in the chat says Visca's not making it back to you. <laughs> yeah, Willis is going to take him just to be spiteful, <laughs> just to dunk on us again. Uh, yeah, I look. I think this is not a bad team. Like, I feel like we got good running back value. Certainly, we need a few guys to have probably a you know significant outperformance of their ADP, but. Like, I feel like the team we built, like, certainly high upside wide receivers across the board. Yeah, I, I like the construction of our team right now. Uh, we got the elite tight end. We have some nice wide receiver firepower. Um, lots of young upside darts at running back. And, you know, this team needs, you know, Trevor Lawrence to make a big leap <laughs> as a player mm-hmm. to, to, to win this tournament. But uh, those are the kind of bets you make. I mean, if Trevor Lawrence gives you... 80% of that one really good Carson Wentz year before he hurt his knee. And it feels like, you know, just based on their archetypes, that's not crazy to me. Like, I feel like you'd be pretty happy with him with where he went. And then, you know, the production that should come to some of these guys, like I think there's a lot of ways for Lawrence to be successful. Well, it's like a best, like a best ball construct. Yeah. I do think we have to take Visca here. Okay. At 13, a, and uh, get our kind of quasi double stack there. Lawrence ETN and in Visca. There you go. People, we did it. We drafted LaVisca Chenault like the good old days. <laughs> Where's the highlight reel, Pete? <laughs> I know. It's funny, too. You know, even last night in, in, in Shift Chasing Chat, people were like, we cannot Martingale uh, LaVisca Chenault again. <laughs> but I will say at pick 152, uh, there really isn't much downside risk, uh, especially when we're making a bet on Trevor Lawrence. And what if too, like Doug Peterson is like in the coach meetings and he's like, and also you guys just haven't got enough out of LaVisca Chanel. Like I've been watching <laughs> this guy for the last few years and he's using so many different ways. It don't make sense. Just get him the ball in space. That's right. We know how much Doug Peterson loves utilizing his, uh, you know, running back committees. So we just need him to get this Visca ETN, you know, Debo Samuel hybrid, you know, running back Voltron uh, there and, and we'll be good to go. Doug Peterson's like presentation for PowerPoint is 20 jet sweeps for LaVisca Chenault a game. And <laughs> that was, that was like, they, we love it. We got to hire him. You know, uh, you know, what is going to be like a nauseating talking point throughout kind of fantasy and real football throughout this year is he's going to be playing the Debo role this mm. year. They're like, they're going to be scheming him. The Debo touches like that's going to become such a catch all term for like one hybrid you know running back wide receiver touch we're gonna be inundated with it that is one of those trendy things that does feel like 
Oh, is there is there some like coining of a phrase you can give to that with <laughs> take this because our generation's free bird? I I would say like there's probably somebody that's gonna put out an article like what you want is cross pollination touches and like run and rushing <laughs> touches and and receiving touches and targets like that's the true value at receiver. Seriously. Um. All right. So we're on the clock here. Uh, we had any love for rookies? Rashad White, Pickens, uh, Mechie. Pat mentioned him last night. Um, any other running backs that you potentially like here? I don't mind taking Tim Patrick for the Broncos, like stackiness. Okay. Just because, you know, like we've seen Tim Patrick kind of have those big days outside where Cortland Sutton hasn't quite gotten as much. Um, and maybe, I don't know. Well, we didn't get Russell Wilson. So maybe that's another potential Broncos QB that could have actually ended up being a stack, but like, I like leveraging off, excuse me, leveraging off the Sutton bad weeks and hoping that Patrick kind of props up in those times. Um, what's the consensus? Uh, everyone let me know in the chat. What's the consensus on who is going to be the Broncos quarterback this season? I mean, I know we all want it to be Rogers. I guess I would say, what do you think is the most likely outcome? Do you have a, a, a read on that Spags? I wonder if there are odds, uh, odds Broncos QB. I think, I mean, the most likely one has to be Bridgewater just because of it. Oh, bookies.com had odds apparently in an article. Uh, Drew Locke plus 250, Jimmy Garoppolo plus 600, Kirk Cousins plus 700, Russell Wilson plus 700, Aaron Rodgers plus 700, and then Desmond Ritter plus 1300. Andrew, you said Drew Locke was the shortest odds? Yep, plus 250. Plus 250, yeah. And I do think like with this build, when we took, you know, the Broncos two big outside wide receivers, um, is Locke even getting drafted? Or also, oh, no, he's out that way I was down here. wrong about Bridgewater too. Bridgewater's plus 2,500 according to this. So I guess they just think he won't be brought back. To me, like, is this kind of weird then that Drew Locke, I mean, his ADP is basically non-existent. It's after Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger. He doesn't even have an ADP. It's weird in terms of like logically he's coming in. He's he's the incumbent starter, but like I think just everybody assumes that like they're going to bring in a replacement. So maybe there is value in just taking them in the last round. I think it. I think this situation would be the perfect spot to take. You know, a last round flyer on Andrew Locke, just because we have the stack. Uh, the sports books say has good odds to be the starter, and this team I think could use a a third QB. Uh, especially with like, if these were the old school 18 round drafts, uh, and I did this a ton last year, I'm like, let's just push it. You know, let's just say Carr and Lawrence are the nuts and, and just try to get more bullets. But now that you have those extra two picks, I do think, um, it'll make sense to use kind of one of those on a third QB and one of those on another running back, because we also, I think are going to be able to get away with just two tight ends here. Although we probably should lock up our second tight end here uh, pretty soon as well. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. And worth pointing out too, Trey McBride, I know we talked a little bit about you know which tight end had a chance to bubble up a little bit. Uh, Trey McBride, the 11th overall prospect on our Fantasy 40, it looks like right now. I'm also expected to be one of the only tight ends to go in the first round, pretty much for sure. So if you are going to take a flyer on a rookie tight end, uh, I don't, like we talked about on the previous show, like he doesn't have the hype of a Kyle Pitts and probably not the same upside, but probably will go somewhere where he's going to get some snaps. Um. I mean, tight end's pretty gross, but yeah. I mean, Dan Arnold is is probably our, if we just want to correlate both of our tight ends with our QBs, 
Yeah, I think that's worth it. I, I You could have talked me into Brevin Jordan, too, taking a leap, given what we saw, yeah. small sample size stuff. But I think given our construction, Arnold makes more sense. Yeah, Pat mentioned uh, it was it's funny because we had this exact same situation last night in a ship chasing draft where Pat mentioned Brevin Jordan. But I, I pushed for Austin Hooper because we had taken Baker Mayfield. So it was just like getting the stack. But I, I like the Brevin Jordan call. He he looked decent um, as far as, you know, if we're if we're going to be done at tight end now and we don't necessarily have to be. I think you could still go three tight ends in this build. Um you know, we're back to looking at running back wide receiver, probably ideally running back. Um, and uh, I'm sure whoever I talk about will get snake. Did did the rookie that you had in your back pocket, has he been drafted yet? Um, Kyron Williams was the one that we had um, who was still looking good. Um, ones that haven't been drafted yet. There are a couple. It looks like the highest ranked one would be, well, I guess I shouldn't say it now because we might get snaked. Yeah, I could wait, but he has... He's a very powerful sounding name and came from uh, a prominent school that was uh, that actually won the national championship this year. Wait, Tanner says Njoku going to be a steal when he signs with the Chargers. What what happened to all the Donald Parham heads? You guys have been uh, one of the most you know vocal minority groups I've ever seen. And now you guys are just moving on for the next athletic tight end to slide in there. Well, they don't seem to want to have him be the number one tight end. Like if he didn't get close to a 50, 50 snap share with Jared cook, like he's probably not getting it with anybody else. They would bring in. They, he's probably just a little too fragile too. Like he's big. He got hurt, you know, and prominently in one game this year. Um, so maybe you just don't want to have a six, seven guy out there playing every snap, which does make it tough for him. Um, looking at the board here, I, I don't love any of these wide receivers. I do think maybe in another round we could enter, entertain you know hamler or edwards to further round out stacks I, I mean gaskin or like gaskin is probably the most interesting to me like gaskin shouldn't be going in the 16th round i mean yeah, i know it's yeah. based on what we talked about last time too with mike mcdaniel being the coach like he was getting overdrafted last time he did a draft now he's not getting drafted at all yeah i mean and it again it goes to show kind of like the overreactions like last year you know, people were drafting Miles Gaskin in the fifth round, um, you know, just projecting the volume on that depth chart, you know, heading into the offseason. Uh, and sure, are they likely to bring someone in or draft someone? But again, <laughs> at pick 185, I don't know if there's a ton of risk or downside in a Gaskin pick. It does look like we scooped Willis there. So a real win-win. I would have also been open to Terrace Marshall just on the hopes that he gets a little more run. Maybe, you know, a Robbie gets shipped out and then that opens up something for him. Yeah. Um, so we have, we have four more picks. So structurally, um, I think ideally if we want to earmark, uh, a quarterback for one, that would leave us with three more picks. Um, I think two of them should be running backs to where we get to six running backs and a zero RB build. Um, and then I think we have kind of a luxury fourth pick on either a ninth wide receiver or a third tight end. Okay. But boy, when you say it like that, I feel like that really puts our construction into uh, some sort of light. We went really heavy on receiver in a way that feels scattershot, I have to say. Welcome to my world, bud. <laughs> Clip it. We went really heavy on wide receiver in a way that makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I I think like we got good value. Just the overall construction of our receiver outlay 
doesn't I don't, doesn't necessarily make the most sense. And also, why are the Raiders now going all of a sudden? Wait, I, wait, what? Like, what, what? What do you mean? I guess I need to probe this. What do you mean scattershot? We drafted a bunch of wide receivers. We drafted a bunch of wide receivers, but there was no like thematic things where like the only like semi correlation we got is that we have some portion of the Denver receiving core. Do you spill coffee on yourself? I did. <laughs> Good. See, you're you're flabbergasted by how scattershot our wide receivers are that your coffee can't even stay in its cup. I'd show you guys, but I don't know if you want cross shots of my cock. Um, all right. So, Oof. like looking at, you know, if I did do a third tight end, like I kind of like Gerald Everett. Um, if we are looking at running backs, I mean, I don't mind going back to like the McKissick. Well, um, I'm just going to put, yeah. say, say who you like. Yeah, um, I think McKissick is the best out of that group. Hey, you can take Donald Parham now. <laughs> I mean, just thinking of, I you know, this was something I talked about a lot last year, like the the texture of your, you know, running back rooms. Um, you know, we got uh, some guys in uncertain situations. We got rookies. We guys got guys coming back from injury. I do like getting, you know, a high floor pass catcher uh, in that mix. Last year, that thesis didn't, uh, do well just because so many of those guys like James White, Gio Bernard, uh, Naheem Hines, they didn't deliver on their draft costs, but I don't want to necessarily overreact to that. And uh, don't mind getting a guy here who will, who will always catch a bunch of balls when he's on the field. And then you got Sky Moore. Oh, Sky Moore. <laughs> don't laugh, dude. The Sky Moore hype train is uh, it's building. It is building here. See, where do we have Sky Moore? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so Jason in the chat says, I can't believe we are drafting and the Super Bowl hasn't happened yet. Uh, I'm a boomer and need a beach trip before drafting again. Um, I kind of I kind of sympathize with that, Jason. I, I thought I needed a break too, and then you start drafting, and it's so much fun. And when you start to think about like your best ball teams, like a portfolio, and how you think about those drafts are going to change so much pre-draft, after the draft, after summer ADPs get more efficient, like you do start to like the idea of getting shares of some of these guys at, at really big discounts before their ADPs change. So that's kind of the appeal of it for me. Um, what do you like here? Uh, is <laughs> not much. <laughs> um, Justin Ross is a rookie. We took last night that I know people have some yeah. interest in. We could also, I mean, 26 overall. Is, this is late for Evan Ingram, right? I mean, I know he's not necessarily good. I agree. I, I'm okay taking Ingram if you want to do him as our tight end. All right, let's do Ingram as a third tight end here. Um, and then also worth pointing out, Skymore did not make the initial uh, Football Outsiders Fantasy 40. It's time to fix your draft guide. <laughs> I mean, look, it's it's possible. It's an oversight. I know that um, that Mike over at Football Outsiders liked Calvin Austin a good amount because he's like a, a shifty slot guy from Memphis who fits like that the mold of like the Antonio Gibsons, even though he's a receiver. Um, so that, yeah. And Wendale Robinson is another guy who I feel like I've not seen go in a draft, but he's 21 mm. uh, overall. Why don't, can I write an addendum to the football outsiders draft guide? And it's just like a three page expose about, uh, sky more <laughs> about the half ass process. We did that. It somehow omitted sky more. I, and I'm kind of like, I can already picture the layout. It's actually less of a draft guide and more, 
like uh, you know, an ESPN the magazine profile picks, and it's just like <laughs> clouds, and it's Sky Moore with his arms spread like he's flying through the air. Um, I like where you go with it. I, I think we need an illustrator. I guess we need an illustrator for a couple of projects. Maybe that's, that's where it right. starts with your Sky Moore <laughs> editorializing. Sky Moore, the superhero. Uh, <laughs> that uh, you know his superpowers. Uh, even though he, from what I've seen on the tape, only has like a twenty-four inch vertical leap. Uh, in this superhero reality, uh, he can defy gravity at all times. Um, also, Wendell Moore, uh, Wendell apparently went in the draft. People are saying, and they're not Wendell Moore. Um, but yeah, we do have James Cook was the other running back I was talking about too from Georgia that apparently is the tier behind the tier behind the running backs that are going so far. So he is not quite in Kyron Williams ADP, uh, but he's our 11th overall fantasy player according to that 040. The tier behind, the tier behind. It's like he, your favorite comics, favorite comics, favorite comic. <laughs> there was somebody. Oh, I, I don't want to say who it is, but somebody of note who uh, like their bio is your fa- your favorite fantasy analyst, favorite fantasy analyst. And I was like, fuck off. <laughs> like you can't luck box your way to a fairly prominent role and then be like, oh, like I don't know. That's like just Mike Clay can have that can have that claim in terms of like legitimate media people because he's like done data for years few out there is i'm gonna say not so much pete uh yeah that's fair um all right so i do think um we are second to last pick should probably be a sixth running back uh we took donta foreman last night i almost i also don't mind you know kicking the tires on any of these guys who have shown life trey sermon Darrell williams samaj p ryan um anything jump out to you here um Trey Sermon, I think, is worth it just because we did take we have gotten our equity of San Francisco before. And like there's a there's an easy pathway for him to get back in the mix. And then, you know, somebody gets hurt and he actually is like a a top running back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason Trey Sermon's now going, (laughs) you know, that pick 224. uh, He did not look good last year. Uh, I, I do think there's conversations to be had to untangle it of like, how much of it was Trey Sermon not looking good versus the team just being enamored with Eli Mitchell? Um, you know, if they didn't have an Eli Mitchell on the roster, how much more would they have ultimately relied on Trey Sermon? And just knowing that it that is such a system running back offense, uh, I do think Eli Mitchell is good, but I also think whoever the hell they put back there will do well. So I think Trey Sermon's a, a great pick in this range. Also, Derek Richard back in chat saying he makes his old lady call him Sky Moore. Uh, hopefully, he's worked things out with you. Was it the Medina uh, <laughs> board of, of the Medina Township was who Derek was having issues with last time? Oh, Malden, 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 yeah. Malden. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I was right. like, what the fuck are you? I don't know. Yeah. Medina Bass sounds like it could be a town. And I thought you were going to start making some other. I thought it was like some bizarre like sexual reference. Like it was a dirty <laughs> Sanchez. He's like, oh yeah, he's doing the Medina, you know, lasso or something. I'm like what the. <laughs> No, he's doing the Malden, the Mal- those Malden pricks who we will never forgive for what they so do to our poor guy. Our, our Drew Locke pick that everyone hates? Yeah, I think it's time. I think it's time to pull the trigger. We did it. Um, So our our final team here, uh, we went with the 3-6-8-3, 0-RB uh, build. We have Trevor Lawrence, Derek Carr, Drew Locke, and we do have stacks here. We have Trevor Lawrence to ETN and Visca. We have Derek Carr to Darren Waller. We did miss out on uh, Byron Edwards. I was kind of eyeing him at one point. Mm. And then we have Drew Locke to our big boy, Denver wide receiver, Sutton and Tim Patrick. 
our running backs. I did mention ETN. We also have AJ Dillon, rookie Kyron Williams, Miles Gaskin, JD McKissick, Trey Sermon. Nice zero RB blend there. Uh, our wide receiver scattershot room, as Chris Spaggs might say, is Tyree Kill, AJ Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, Gabe Davis, rookie Garrett Wilson, Sutton, Visca, and Tim Patrick. And then we have three tight ends, Darren Waller, Dan Arnold, both stacked up. And then buying the dip on Evan Ingram, ADP of 173.6. We took him at 209. I've always felt like Drew Locke fit the like the homeless man's Josh Allen criteria that made him jump out to me. Like he throws a lot of deep balls. He runs. Uh, this is his time. If he's the Vegas favorite to be the Broncos QB, would you rather have Drew Locke as your QB or Jimmy Garoppolo at this point, Pete? Wow. Um, for for fantasy or as a GM of a team? Because if I, you're my the Broncos answer's different. GM right now. If I'm the Broncos GM, fuck, I hate this question. Um <laughs> I guess Jimmy G like we've, ah, I hate, I hate it. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy G we know can do just enough. If you're built, you know, Ford tough all around him um, to get you deep into the playoffs. I just have a hard time imagining drew lock stringing together multiple um, winning playoff performances. I mean, young QB, better coach upgrades there. I think that there is a, I'm glad that Malden stole a bunch of dick bags. Um, I think for me, like there's still hope for Drew Locke. And I would say like, if you get Jimmy G for cheap and you bring him in to compete, but have him as like the sacrificial lamb where then Drew Locke can beat him out in early season competition. Like I like those kind of things. So I would say bring him in, but be prepared not to start him and definitely not paying him $20 million. If he's getting paid $20 million somewhere this offseason, I will be deeply disappointed in whatever team that is. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was interesting just that the books still have him as the highest odds to uh, to be the Broncos QB. But, you mm. know, I understand no one have it, having interest in drafting him. I think he just made sense uh, in the context of this team. Um, I did. Oh, I, I wanted to, the the two news items um, as we wrap up here that uh, I wanted to mention that I think is interesting for uh, the Super Bowl. So uh, both Tyler Higby and Uzoma didn't practice yesterday. It sounds like Uzoma is heading in the right direction. Zach Taylor said he's uh, things were looking positive and that he's optimistic that he's going to play. Tyler Higby, on the other hand, it sounds like very doubtful. The team's holding out hope that he'll play, um, but it, it seems like he might not, and uh, Kendall Blanton would be stepping in for him. And then the other big interesting quote uh, from yesterday was uh, Darrell Henderson. He was getting first team reps at practice hmm. and McVeigh had this quote and he said, so you'll have Cam, uh, Darrell and Sony. You'll be able to see a good three back rotation based on how the game unfolds. So that's why I've been kind of in on betting the Cam Akers unders. Cam Akers, even though they said early in the week that his shoulder was fine, uh, he was limited in yesterday's practice. So I don't know. I, I I'm kind of buying into this idea that we're we're not going to see Cam Akers bell cow uh, status on Sunday. Interesting. So yeah, something that'll be noteworthy to talk about tomorrow. We're going to do a couple underdog drafts on the show. In addition to some of the prop betting, we're going to actually do our ride or die picks for some of the prop bets out there, as well as the game itself. And Pete will have whoever he can wrangle over in the LA house. Uh, so that'll be a fun show coming up tomorrow, 2 30 Eastern. So make sure you are subscribed to Pete's channel, subscribe to the splash play channel, and also make sure you follow at splash play pod. So you can see whenever we're going live, because the schedule is going to be moving around a little bit as we head into the off season. Uh, Pete, any final words for you? We did it. We're out on time and now you can go be a fancy LA boy basking in the sunlight yep uh got uh, a bunch of stuff i need to do before my flight this afternoon uh excited to uh to do our show tomorrow uh from 
LA and uh yeah we're we're getting close uh it's uh the Super Bowl I, I need to get I need to fire off some of my prop bets I've been kind of waiting for some of these lines to adjust we'll see how patient I can be before Sunday I actually did take one I put 200 on uh, Matthew Stafford's over two and a half touchdowns because it was at plus 170 and it seemed like it should be more of a plus 155 bet which they then corrected to over on Fox bet my preferred uh betting app for right now just because of the soft lines but that's the one bet that I'm comfortable advocating for right now especially if you can get at that plus 170 marker we'll talk more about it tomorrow though bring those lustful eyes here at 2 30 p.m eastern on this channel we'll be here follow up peter rubbers at follow at chris spags follow at splash play pod and if you have time leave us five stars and review an apple podcast i'd be a greatly appreciated end of season tip for this little show we'll see you guys from half of us in la and the other half just here in the exact same spot bye <laughs>